This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> the pain of life is pure salt. No more no less. The amount of pain in life remains exactly the same. But the amount of pain we taste depends on the container we put it into. When you are in pain, the only thing you can do is enlarge your sense of things. Stop being a glass. Become a lake. Childhood sexual abuse is the most traumatic of all wounds, for it is a betrayal at the very root of our being. It turns us against ourselves in such a way that, more often than not, Victims become convinced that the fault is theirs. To find a way back from that injury, to prevail and rise above it, is to do the seemingly impossible. In Anne Donata's book, Twisted Roots Standing Tall, she recounts her long dance from the darkness of the soul into the love and light of an open heart. As she courageously heeds her soul's insistence and clears away her legacy of trauma from both infant sexual abuse and incest. Born into both emotional and economic poverty, Anne's early life consisted of only obstacles and challenges. But she never gave up, and she continually trusted in her own guidance, being rewarded with insight and wisdom. Whenever it felt like her life was not flowing, she took that as a sign that it was time to do more healing clearing away the trauma that lay embedded deep in cellular memory. Anne's story speaks to the gift of grace and the indomitable courage of the human heart. As Anne continued to heal, she discovered many essential truths about life, among them that we are never given something we cannot handle, that life is about manifesting the deepest desires of our hearts, and that the thing we most fear is our own greatness. Valeria Telles interviews Anne Donata, the author of Twisted Roots Standing Tall, My Journey to Heal, Learn, and Rise from the Trauma of Childhood Sexual Abuse. Anne Donata is an author, speaker, artist, poet, and advocate for awareness of sexual violence. Having been orphaned and left destitute at 16 years old, she transcended her trauma to attain an education and become a successful businesswoman and world traveler. Today, Donata is a healer in her own right, and her purpose is to inspire others to heal their lives and to bring more light and love into the world for the benefit of all humanity. She has also written Whispers of Grace, Volume 1, and Whispers of Grace, Volume 2, which showcase her art and poetry. Meet Anne at AnneDonata.com. Here is the interview with Anne Donata. 
in your own words, who is Ndenada? Um, at the present, I'm a human being. I am aware that um, we are spiritual beings. In my world, we are energy. And energy for me in the spiritual world, the, the div divine part or the, the essence of myself lives on forever. Yes. How did you discover that, and that you were a spiritual being? I discovered it because initially, I think what really brought home, my friend could see energy and not just the, a person's aura. She could do that at a very deep level, but she could also see the earth's energy and she could see the universe's energy and how they interacted. And over a period of, I call approximately 10 years, every week um, after we closed the business, um, we would meditate. She would watch the development of my light body I would ask her for a rating and I would try and compete with myself every week. And we just watched the development of the light body. It was amazing. And so that was uncontaminated by any human being. That's interesting how this can be actually measured in an almost or if not a scientific way. There has been, I mean, we have had so many studies on quantum physics on how energy works. And it just resonates true to me that everything is energy. When you say contaminated by the human experience or human beings, what do you mean by that? I'm a victim of um, a sexual abuse. 18 months, I was sodomized and plus. And then I became an incest victim. And then I was raped over a period of three weeks in the outback of Australia. And so... If anybody knows much about that, violence at that level really affects the the root of um, the self, the individual self being. It really destroys, and um, so you you have a tendency to blame yourself, to uh, be ashamed of yourself, to feel guilty, and um, to have a very very low self worth esteem. Yes, it will affect then the experience as a whole in a human body. Absolutely. It has been my case to perhaps not at the level that you have experienced, but lots of traumas, childhood traumas. Um, one of the things, once you have a, a, a something like that, it establishes a pattern of originality. And often this pattern can be brought in from past lives. But once it started, then I am radio radiating out um, I am a victim and a victim of sexual abuse. And so other perpetrators who I believe have also been abused and need just as much healing as a victim, they connect. And it's for a person of growth. I have heard this before. And what I wonder is a question I often ask. So do you believe that we have chosen to be here in a human body and to experience those painful traumas that we have experienced? I absolutely believe it. And it's not only um, that I chose it at a soul level. I happen to think it's an ancestral level. And one of the things I like to mention is that sexual violence is the most expensive crime the world over. 
um, to the individual, to the families, and to the communities and nations. And if you ever, I had to ask why I had to experience it, and I have a a thought on that if you're interested. Yes, please. Yes. Um, My thought is that we as humans and, and spiritual beings, what we're really doing And the imagery is, if you look at little boys when they are given toys, you know, little plastic uh, cars, um, they try to pull them apart to see how they work. They're just uh, very curious. And then they sometimes find they can't put them back together. Well, they're in the phase of exploration. And I think that sexual abuse is in that phase. And what we're, we're really dealing with at a very, very deep level is destruction and creativity and having to do with the power of life and the spirit. Oh, wow. That's an interesting perspective on that. Thank you. To me, this experience we are having now, it's the unknown. This is um, unconditional love, for the lack of a better word, I would say, that everything is just um, free energy doing what it does. And it seems like we are trying to to understand, and then we create stories and meaning, we give meaning to everything. And a lot of that actually makes sense, which is very interesting to see as well, which has to do with physics, so it does make sense to, to this level. But when you say that, that destruction and creation, yeah, why not? That's the dance of life, isn't it? We see that in mm-hmm. nature. Mm-hmm. It happens and, naturally, yeah. And we either turn it into fertilization or <laughs> a toxicity. <laughs> yeah, something that remains, right. Talk to me for a moment about healing. What's the meaning of healing to you or what healing is, and if there is a destination for healing? Well, that's interesting. I was very, very fascinated and wanted to know what a miracle was like. What really was a miracle? And I started to write a poem um, about healing. And then in an instant, I understood it. And it was like an axe split the word healing in two. And so it said, he, and I put in the verb is, all. So if you take the word heal or healing and you separate it, that he is all, it is a rejoining, a reconnecting, because with sexual violence you are splattered and shattered and broken in so many places that you have to gather all these pieces like a big giant jigsaw puzzle back to become whole again. That's something that I often write about and talk about that we are wholeness. There's no way we can be broken. Everything is whole. Even what it seems to be broken is just a feeling. It's just a, a perception, which it feels very, very real. Perhaps that's why we have this idea of reconnecting, but we will never disconnect it in the first place. I would, I would say that there are different layers, like the strata of the earth, because I had to go to a very deep level, like one does to find diamonds, and we find our diamonds within us. And yes, the the pure essence of us is never broken, but what is broken is our physical selves. They get frozen, 
And when things are frozen, there's a lack of life and a lack of spirit. So that's my description of broken, freezing, um, avoiding, denying, uh, you know, fleeing, um, and the three things, you know, fight, um, freeze, or flight. Yeah, so you're bringing it down to the physical body as that could be or can be broken. That's interesting. Yeah, of course, it kind of makes so much sense. For some reason, I have realized is that this is the experience of wholeness itself. So it's wholeness experiencing the feeling of being broken, even the physical body, because the physical body, it's not really what, it's it's just um, a separated, fragmented of of wholeness. So it's not, it's the idea that it is fragmented, but it's not really. It's just wholeness experiencing separation, which is a very challenging concept to understand with the intellectual mind, the logical mind. Except I, I, I might slightly differ with that, Valeria. Yeah, yeah. Because where something is disconnected, um, and, and we have that, we shut down our hearts for protection, um, we held fear in our kidneys. The the spirit, the breath, the emotions, they are blocked. Energy cysts. So for me, I discovered that, and women, there's now a lot of work doing with, with women around the pelvic area. And um, there's so much blockage in there. And the the life force really doesn't flow into those parts that have been damaged. Mm. Yeah. That's my experience. Right, right. It has been mine too, of course. I mean, mine as a separated idea of who I am. Yes, of course. It is the experience, the illusion we have. It's really actually harsh to say that, right? Illusion. I come from a very uh, kind of a different place, space. Uh, it's very open. So it has to do with, it's not even the knowledge, just the realization um, that this is fulfillment. Even if we came here and just took one breath, that was already fulfilled. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle mm-hmm. to be in a human body, even if, if for a second. So I guess I, it comes to me, that message keeps coming to me over and over again, that this is already fulfillment, even if it feels broken and separated and sad, depressed, anxious, whatever it is. It's whole and it's fulfilled in itself. So that's a very challenging message to communicate to the mind, the separated mind that insists and see everything fragmented and separated. And I don't know what, how this can be realized anyway. It just happened. In my experience, um, I've had many death experiences and spiritual experiences, but in my case of 18 months, I did feel and I was told that my spirit left my body and not all of me came back. Mm, so right. that was at the level that I experienced it. Now, after that horror, I couldn't face it, but I also was able to experience that I actually tried to end my life at 18 months. So it, it's incredible the the knowledge we do have at a very deep level. And the, in answer to your wholeness, there's another saying we say, everything is perfect. 
uh, speaking from that level of separated wholeness, what are the signs of healing? When did you know that you were perhaps healed or evolved in that healing process, almost there, per se? I would, I would say that you learn through the healing process, the clearing and cleansing and purifying in my world, that you get insights. One of my family members calls me eccentric. You begin to um, see yourself a little bit different. You want to talk about the depth of the exploration, but other people just want to call you crazy. So you either have to go and accept that maybe you are crazy, or if you create this inner pathway of intuition and self-knowing, you learn to to keep it within as an inner knowing because the people, humanity, are really not ready to accept the full um, experience. And um, a favorite saying that I have is that Jesus said they know not what they do. And for me, that comes from the fact that the physiology of the body is it blocks the memory of trauma for survival. And so when people are really in a protective survival mode, they just don't get the insights from what you call the openness and uh, connect to the um, the Earth's magnetic mind um, and the environmental mind. And so they lack knowledge. And therefore, the best decisions are not made on limited knowledge. They are made on the best knowledge that is available. Yeah, I love how you said early, in my world, it's a beautiful thing when we recognize that too, that we all have different ideas and ways of interpreting this reality, mm -hmm. what we call reality. Mm -hmm. And it's so true when you also say about people who don't want to hear certain things, because there's a lot of rejection of the dark and the light, which is interesting, mm -hmm. to reject mm -hmm. the light even in us. Mm -hmm. But we as humanity, we do, and we don't want to hear about it. That's uh, We don't want to talk about it even any of it. And that's why I have this podcast. <laughs> so we talk about it because that's another thing I cannot do around my family members. Everyone's pretty closed about that. Some of them are not, but most of them are. Mm -hmm. So it's so true. It feels isolating, doesn't it? And when we, we have so much to share and I mean, it is however it comes out, however it wants to be uh, manifested, but the outside world's not ready or it puts up walls. There's a lot of walls happening. Fear, I think, is mainly the reason. Yeah, false evidence appearing real, but I'm, I'm experiencing that there are a, a number of my family members who do not want to communicate with me because of the book. Oh. They don't want the skeletons right. to be known. Right, yeah, that's very common, right, very common. I remember somebody saying, if you want somebody to to talk only good things about you, then behave in such a way. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So <laughs> that doesn't really, I think Maya Angelou said that. <laughs> that also happened to her. So let's see, let me ask you a fun question, the opening, one of the opening questions. What do you love most about being in a human body today? I, for me, I, the ability to learn, the, uh, the, I love being in nature and I have two homes, uh, one in British Columbia and I live on a, an island off the grid in uh, Fiji and we never got COVID for until a year or so after. I do have an ability to kind of be a bridge between the other life or the outer life or the the other side um, and this. So that knowledge has given me a lot of uh, solidarity and, and kind of wisdom that whatever happens here is fine because it's not really my true home. I know I'm very deeply loved on the other side. That unconditional love, right. Yeah, so true. How do you define true power, Anne? I, I think true power comes from what I call the finest energy is the most powerful energy. For example, I have been able to experience oneness but, and at an energetic level. And the physical world is not a permanent world. But the same kind of energy runs through a table, a chair, a wall, as it runs through a human body. And I think in a way power is misunderstood. Power comes from a need for control. And the more people need control, which they feel gives them power, for me it is a mirror of the exact opposite. There is so much chaos in their inner world, that they can't stand to be with themselves. Mm. They have to live on the outside. And they are powerless because everything begins from within. Yes, a billion times to their power within. Yes, and having the courage to explore that. And I've been thinking that there's going to come a day, I, I suspect, that humanity is going to be able to monitor and adjust their own flow of energy to various parts of the body. They will surrender to the body, but they will observe at an energetic level the flow and limited flow, and they'll be able to send unconditional love because wherever there's pain in the body, there is an absence of self-love. Yeah, self-love, that's something that it kind of pauses me and amazes me that it's a very challenging practice to adopt for most of us. And there's selfishness, but not self-love. That's not really exercised by most of us. And I wonder why. For me, it took me a long time to recognize that every negative thought I had was just my higher self, outer soul, whatever you want to call it, was just bringing up, like holding a mirror, ringing a bell in my ear and saying, this is not the real you. You need to go to the exact opposite. And when I was able to say, oh, um, they don't like me, the actual truth of that is I love myself because I come here. 
And so when I move that that negative belief to the opposite is true, I, they, you know, don't do love myself, I am beginning to find my way to the middle, middle, the balance, so that I can scale all the notes on the piano, all the sounds on the earth. I can be resonant at any point in time, and that is freedom for me. I love your wisdom. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being you. And I believe in life being life, so I often say, right, that I don't have a life. I am life, and I do see everything else the same way that we are life expressing itself. So it's really beautiful how we are here to experience everything dark and light. But in the end, it seems like there's something benevolent. There's something that's about life that's trying to take us, the human experience, is trying to elevate the human experience to that unconditional love that we spoke earlier. Well, one of the things, exercises that I did, sorry to interrupt, was I asked myself, what were all my fears? And one of them was dealing with the darkness. And so as an exercise for anybody who would be listening, I would ask you to go into nature and find the darkest, darkest place and spend some time there and discover for yourself. Um, I won't share what I discovered um, because I want somebody to try it for themselves. But there is incredible wisdom in darkness Mm. as much as there is in light, if you go all the way there. For some reason, a week ago, maybe, I have been pondering, have been reflecting on dark and light because that's duality. So now we have the separation again. I wonder if um, actually this is only dark. Is actually light comes in when we are open when something happens through consciousness and then we are elevated by these split moments of gratitude, of seeing in a a more clear way the unconditional love that's under all this. But essentially, it's actually dark. There's no light there. We bring light through consciousness, but it's essentially dark. It keeps coming back to me, that idea. Not sure if that resonates with you but Uh, I like the sound of that yes I do yeah for some reason so you wrote the book Twisted Roots Standing Tall My Journey to Heal Learn and Rise from the Trauma of Childhood Sexual Abuse talk to me for a moment about the main intention and purpose of writing your book Anne. well I lost my parents when I was a teenager and I We moved a thousand miles, which was like a long distance. I was born in Australia. And so after my parents died, there was absolutely no support, no neighbors, no relatives. And my children did inherit um, some of my negative energy patterns. And one of the reasons I did a lot of this work, it took me at, at least more than 20 years to do this work for myself. I did it because I never wanted them to experience what I had experienced. But they did get tainted by a lot of that, and they just weren't really interested in my journey. And because I had not lived around with any relatives, I felt it was important for my children, my grandchildren. And then when I tried to talk to people, and afterwards I'd say to my friend, is she crazy? 
there were one or two or a few that said, you should write a book. So they were the two. It was to leave behind for my grandchildren or great-grandchildren the history, um, energetic DNA history, because we can change our DNA, as I believe I have. Because if those who don't understand or study history, they're bound to repeat it. And I wanted to break that unto seven years, which is what the Native Americans say. When you make a change, you change it unto seven generations. Wow. I don't know if that's a satisfactory answer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, I have more questions to explore the messages and the lessons in your book. And you, you're also a artist and poet. How did you discover these gifts in you? Well, let me tell you something that a lot of people who are listening to this podcast have wanted to have some insight into abuse, physical, sexual, mental, emotional, that I discovered something extremely interesting. And the question is, what is the opposite of sexual abuse violence? I'm going to make a pause because it is creativity. Mm. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I, I failed English because of my trauma and um, over a, a, a period of, I don't know, 10 odd years. And then all of a sudden, um, I, I went to India and a lady asked me, um, I worked with her Tibetan bowl, and she said, oh, could you give me another healing? I said, what? I'm a businesswoman. So that started me on the healing journey. And I think the healing journey gave me a lot of confidence because my friend could see what was happening in the, a session with their client's permission. And she taught me I'd been using energy all my life. Um, but I suddenly um, started writing poetry and I found my artistic ability in therapy because I did two weeks uh, in silent intensive retreats and many of them. And in that process, I guess I opened up my creative side and um, I just had a great love and respect and inner knowing about color, not technicality, but color. So um, that's how... Um, I would write my poems and my husband and my best friend, they were amazed at them and it probably took me 10, 15 years and she took them and put them in a book for me, didn't publish them, but now they're on my website, my fun website, which is www.thespiritdancers.com and it's a fun website, hopefully inspiring others to find their creative muse within you have this beautiful way of interpreting that energy that we spoke of, uh, the spiritual energy, per se. And it goes back when you say uh, creativity is the opposite of trauma, sexual trauma. It goes back to the idea, what we talked earlier about, destruction and creativity. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it goes hand in hand. It resonates true to me. In your book, you write about, there's something that caught my attention about the inner guidance, you said, yes. there was a kind of inner guidance as I learned to listen to it. It led me onward, always prompting me to clear away the trauma that laid embedded 
deep in my cellular memory. Of course, you said more than that. There's something else you said that caught my attention. Whenever I felt like life was not flowing, I took it as a sign that it was time to do more healing. And always I was rewarded with the insight and wisdom. Talk to me for a moment about this inner guidance that we call, some of us use different words, intuition, the voice of God, the universe, the heart. You mentioned the heart too, following the heart. How do we learn to recognize that voice? And I'll take you to an imagery of street kids. They've either been kicked out of home or they've left home. They have had quite a, a hard childhood. And they're on the street and they have to survive. Now, what they use for survival is the intuition. And why is that? Most of you, if you recognize intuition, it, it's very fast. It bypasses the brain because the brain is partly the ego and wants control, it wants to keep living, and it keeps the repetitive, addictive patterns going. And so there comes a time with people with trauma, in my case anyway, the brain does get screwed up. We, we don't trust ourselves, we repeat things, we feel we're going to forget things. Um, the brain just doesn't work very well. But we have this gift of this very quick thought, insight, voice. And we are alone because we have been mistreated by our caregivers and society doesn't understand us. So that feeling of, of being alone, the only place we do find that's safe, now being brought up a Catholic, was praying. And I prayed my little heart out to stop my perpetrator. And it didn't work. But that's another story. And so you begin to depend on that. And the more you begin to accept and understand that, yes, you've got negative thoughts, but they are there to teach you. And when you start facing them, focusing on them, and learning to change them, they no longer begin to control you. It also helps to be able to meditate, there's other things like writing a diary is really important because your inner world is where you create. And if you don't have the power or the, the time or the ability to have a friend, um, you do it to your own diary. Listening to your dreams, I, the subconscious was quite easy for me to connect with because I'd had nightmares a lot of my childhood. So I knew what it was like being in the subconscious I, I had dreams where I could see myself above and I could not bring my body back into life. It just was lifeless. So, um, and I've had near-death experiences. So you begin to find that the thing you can trust the most is your inner guidance. And then if you go in nature, another wonderful thing to do is go in nature, walk along off the beaten path, and find a place to sit down or a rock to sit on and ask nature any question. Let it sink into your whole body. Stay still. Maybe close your eyes. And then just trust. Now, some might hear the answer. Some might see it. Nature might present them an image. Some might just feel the answer. And after you've spent some time in nature, 
I discovered it's the most wonderful place to create. Then you take a, have a book and a pen and you either write prose or you write a poem. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> of course, in your book, you actually write about, I have a, a phrase here that you said, if we are willing to pay attention, nature will show us who we are. Mm-hmm. I love this phrase because it's so true. We are nature ourselves. We are not apart from nature. And that's interesting how we, it's easy to, to feel separated, right? And it's so easy to feel separated. But everything is just so connected. Going back to the idea of wholeness being everything that's happening now. There's no separation at all, but just a feeling of separation. There's so many messages here. We're almost at the end, and I have way too many um, messages in your book, um, Life. Uh, I love the way you say in your book, you say, life is about manifesting the deepest desires of our hearts. Mm -hmm. That really resonates with me deeply. And then you also say, the thing we most fear is our own greatness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is a challenge to understand. Why? But then trauma, because trauma changes everything, changes the brain, the way the brain works. So it changed mm-hmm. the way we see the world, right? And everything changes. So it's really a challenge to navigate this reality in a, with an open heart and open-mindedness because it's, it's essentially not open, it's closed. Mm-hmm. Speaking about trauma, you also say trauma does not have to define you. You are more powerful, beautiful, creative, and loving than you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. So true, a billion times to that. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Billion, billion times. There is a way back from trauma. Find the path that works for you. So there are so many modalities, healing modalities. Do you find one to be, and you speak of nature to me, that's the space of healing. But What are some of the other healing methods that you have experienced? What are some of the most powerful and effective ones from your perspective? I think really real deep healing starts in a way, there's two things. One comes from sound. And I have used crystal bowls and Tibetan bowls. And I place them on my client's body and then I ring them. And the purpose of this is to get them to understand that they are, in essence, energy and to feel the energy flow through their body. And the other thing is that the brain does not know what to do with it. So it's kind of a surrendering of the brain and allowing the body to do the healing. It knows what to do. We have to get out of the way. So sound is um, one of the other ways. Now, in my case... And in most sexual abuse cases, the individual protects themselves by shutting down, physically contracting, not expanding. And so the only way you can get those cellular memories untapped, unreleased, or released, unlocked actually, is through deep tissue body work. I was... And the other thing I think I really, when your heart desires that you really want to heal and people have said, oh, we don't can't take two weeks off. We don't have the money to pay for the therapy. Well, looking back on my life, when I started my therapy, I was um, basically divorced 
Um, I had a four-year-old, a two-year-old, a, a six-month on the breast. I was the main breadwinner, and um, I could only pay for the mortgage and my my uh, nanny for five years. Except I, the universe will support you mm. in whatever way it needs. You just have to be willing to take that leap of faith and jump off the cliff. Mm. That I promise. The universe is dying to help all of us who want to go on this journey. That really resonates true because I can feel that, that whatever this is, life itself, the universe, as you call it, or God, as some call it, it's really speaking to us. They're here. It's everywhere. It's talking to us. And But we need to be, we need to get out, as you said, we get out of our own way and become open to healing. And healing is the way, which to me now it comes more as... Um, that realization that it's the wholeness, it's, it's what we are, essentially. A return to that, to that perception, to that recognition that this is already a gift, the most amazing, unimaginable gift. Uh, that has a lot of healing power. It has been, in this case here, in my case, what really opened the door. So another thing you say in your book, we're almost at the end, I have so many notes here. The greater the pain, the greater the healing, and the brighter the soul's light. Absolutely. That's so true, too. And then you, the lessons you have learned at the end of the book, you mentioned listening to the body, how important that is, uh, looking for energy blockages, surrender to the body's wisdom. So... I love that. And the body work, that has become a lot more part of um, my practices, working with the body, breathing, not necessarily meditation, but uh, I call it yoga, really. It's mindful movements. And finally, accepting. For the mind, it's more like getting into that realm of acceptance, embracing everything as it is. So I love when you say these things that it just resonates true. The body, it holds a lot of those key answers to healing. Well, for me, I feel our body is our laboratory. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're like the scientists. We've given, been given this body and it's up to us to explore it. Mm, so true. Thank you so much again for what you do, the way you do it, for who you are, uh, and for what you are, really, life itself, <laughs> doing what it does, and everything else in between. Thank you, and for your wisdom and courage. Uh, you're very welcome, Valeria. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything else or read a passage in your book? Um, actually, I, I wasn't expecting to read a passage, so... Um, I think an important message is we are never given something that we cannot handle. No matter how we believe we cannot deal with it. And I know there was a time in a session that I wanted to die into eternity. The pain was so great. But we, we need support doing this work. We need professionals. We need to be taught how to trust, and I think we borrow our, our, our therapist counselors' energy patterns about trust, and then we try them on like clothes, and then after a while we say, oh, I think I could adjust this. It would look better if I did this, um, or I'll mix and match these ideas, 
And that's when we're starting to own our own ability to trust. And we become our own masters in both our healing, both our ability to create in receiving abundance because healing at the end of all healing in my world is abundance. Um, but I never talk about the abundance because it takes every ounce of courage um, and tenacity, uh, consistency to do this work. It has to be a life's passion. And for me, there's nothing more interesting than the journey into self. Yeah, I did read them. I have it here, one of the lessons that you have, you mentioned. We are never giving something we cannot handle, right? Mm -hmm. I remember reading mm -hmm. that. And for some reason, I didn't mention, I guess because I have seen some people give up and commit suicide. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that kind of, we've seen actually that happens. People who have been through so much trauma that they, in the end, they give up. It's too much. Or who knows, right, And It might, maybe they just lost the body such a way for different reasons. I mean, we don't know. Nobody knows anything for well, sure. Well, we have until the last second to make whatever changes we may need to do. So uh, we can't judge. Right. Yeah, I agree. And for some reason, it didn't happen. And then, yeah, I love what you just said. No judgments, right? We cannot judge any of it. I mean, life, it's, when I think about being open, that's exactly it. No judgments. We can have our opinions and discernments, but no judgments. I agree. And we also don't know if the person who committed suicide, it's actually a, an act of love to wake up the family or, mem or friends. We just can't, we, we can't know that at this level. Right, right. Uh, when you think about what do we really know? <laughs> And now one more thing I'll say, I'll say cancer is society's acceptable way of suicide. Yeah, that's has been, somebody said that, I think it was, I, what's his name? I think it was, yeah, Gabor Mate, He's, he writes a lot about trauma. And then I think he said something about cancer has to do with not releasing healthy anger. Well, there's many, it can be healthy fear. But um, it's just that my mother died of cancer at 36. My brother died at 30. My mom's two sisters died in their 40s. It's a bit of a miracle that I didn't succumb, but I was determined. So we, we can't judge because very often we absolutely learn from people's mistakes and we determine we're not going to make their mistakes. We don't need to, but they are gifts. So we can't judge. So true. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, another billion times to that, no judgment. That's what love is, essentially. So one last question. What is another word for healing? What comes to mind? I would say inner truth. Inner truth. Knowing the truth of one's existence. Yeah. And before we say goodbye again, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? I, I do publish blogs on my Facebook, my author Facebook, author Anne Donada. My website, um, where you can see some excerpts, and um, is andonada.com. And you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and um, purchase the book there. It's not a bad idea to put Twisted Roots Standing Tall 
and my name. And I also offer half an hour of free consultation. So on my website is my email and the phone number. Wonderful. I'll have the podcast, your website on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Anne, and we'll talk soon. Uh, my pleasure. Take good care. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Anne Donata and her work, please visit annedonata.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.